question and answer type time where I'll, I'll spend time answering questions that people have asked me or that I, you know, I just kind of a sense of questions out there about particular, to particular topics. Well, tonight what we're going to do is we're kind of going to blend both of those. We're going to deal with a chapter of scripture that is assigned to me tonight, Romans chapter 11. But in doing so, we're also going to deal with a question that seems to come up over and over again. It's not necessarily a question that, um, you know, I would say necessarily affects the church here, that it's a, a challenge that we have. But in the religious world as a whole, there's certain doctrines that kind of get popular at some time and other times kind of fade away. Sometimes you'll see them in the news and other times you don't. One of those questions that's out there a lot of times has to do with the nation of Israel. There's always, it seems like you'll have a kind of a lull of about a few months or maybe a year, and then it's back in the news again. How should we view Israel? And a lot of times there's great uproar, even in our own country, about how should we maybe protect Israel, help them be their own state, not let them be their own state, who should we support, and all those kinds of things that have to go with what's going on over there in the Middle East. And then you'll also hear a lot of religious leaders stand up and talk about how we as the church need to stand with Israel and how Israel was promised that land by God and God ordained Israel as a state. And there's all sorts of various facets of that doctrine about Israel. And now, if you never heard that before, you might think, well, I don't know what that's all about. I've never heard that. That's fine. I'm glad you haven't been faced that. But in many religious circles, it is a very big deal, not just in Jewish religious circles, but in Christian ones, too, there's a lot of doctrine surrounding that nation right there. And where they get this controversy, a lot of it comes from a passage here in Romans chapter 11, specifically Romans chapter 11, verse 26, which says this, and so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them. Now, various doctrines arise from this. Some hold to a position that says that one day in the end, everybody who is an Israelite or stands with Israel is going to be saved. So then those of us that aren't Israelites are like, well, we better make sure we stand with Israel, right? Because you want to be saved. Others will say that this verse is promoting a doctrine that says that one day the Messiah is going to come back at, to Israel or out of Israel and their rule in Zion and is going to punish those that do not follow him. And all focused around Israel. So what you see happen, in, especially in evangelical Christianity in America, an overemphasis on Israel where the Bible kind of drifts away from that kind of in the New Testament once we see Jesus coming and dying on the cross. So what I want us to do tonight is I want us to walk through Romans chapter 11. And this is going to be more of kind of a, a lecture than maybe a sermon with a point that we can drive home. But I want you to understand this passage right here. Because you're going to have people that have strange views about this passage, maybe be pushing a doctrine or even forcing the church into political arenas that they don't need to be because of a misunderstanding of this passage. So let's talk about then the book of Romans for a quick second. Romans, as you're familiar with, is a book about uniting the Jews and Gentiles. Both Jew and Gentile are now supposed to become Christians, and in the Roman church you have Jewish and Gentile Christians, and they're not getting along. So Paul writes this letter to try to unify them. He unifies them on the basis of justification by faith. They're not saved by their own various works or law-keeping specifically. They're saved by placing their faith in Jesus Christ and coming to him. They're all equally lost 
before Jesus, Romans 3, verse 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They're all equally deserving of death, Romans chapter 6, verse 10, and they all came to Jesus and were born again the same way, right? That's what happened. So then the book toward chapter 8 and 9 starts being very critical of the Israelites because the Israelites, many of them rejected Jesus and were not following him. So what Paul does is he ends in chapter 10, verse 21, and please open your Bibles and follow along, because we're going to be going verse by verse here. But Romans 10 and verse 21, it says, But as for Israel, he says, all the day long I have stretched out my hand to a disobedient and obstinate people. So he's trying to save you, Israel, for a long time. I sent prophets to you. I sent the Messiah to you. I've even now sent apostles to you, and many times you're still rejecting the message. He goes, I'm reaching out to you. I want you to be saved. Now, the Jewish Christians who did choose to follow Jesus are kind of taking this kind of hard. They're like, well, we're, we're trying. No, they're still binding the old law. They're still trying to be justified by works. So God kind of has to comfort them a little bit and pat them on the head and say, no, I still am thinking and care about you. Notice chapter 11, verse 1, he answers their question. He says, I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. The Jews are saying, well, you rejected us. You don't like us now. You like the Gentiles more than you like us. And God says, no, that's not what it is. I've never rejected you. I love you. And Paul even says, I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. And then he goes on and talks about how God wants Israel to be saved. Then in verse 13, though, the context of this chapter changes. He stops talking to the Jews in verses 1 through 12, and in verse 13 of Romans chapter 11, he now turns the talk to the Gentiles. You want a little trick to studying the book of Romans? Most of the time when he uses the word you, he's talking to the Jews, when he uses the word um, them or they, he's talking to about the Gentiles. But here he says, the you I'm talking to now is the Gentiles. Verse 13, he says, but I am speaking to you who are Gentiles. So he's talked to the Jews, told them I wanted to save you. Now he says, Gentiles, I'm going to tell you how God wants to save you. And what he does is he gives an illustration about a tree. Whoops. An olive tree. So let's read them. Romans chapter 11 in verse 13. I know that's not an olive tree on the screen. It's an oak tree. We know oak trees more here in the Central Valley. So verse 13. But I'm speaking to you who are Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If somehow I might move to jealousy my countrymen and save some of them. So Paul still wants the Jews to be saved. He says, in fact, one of the reasons I'm so gung-ho about reaching out to you Gentiles is I'm hoping it's going to make the Jews a little bit jealous and they're going to want to follow God too. So he says, verse um, 15, For if their rejection is the re reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also, and if the root is holy, the branches are also. Now with that word branches, he's going to go into his illustration. It's kind of a complicated illustration. So I want you to follow me as we look at this and see if we can understand what he's saying. He says, verse 17, if some of the branches were broken off and you, who's the you right now? The you is the Gentiles. So he says, some of the branches were broken off 
And you, being a wild olive, were grafted in among them and became a partaker of them of the rich root of the olive tree. Picture the olive tree or any tree as being a model of salvation. So the tree represents those that are saved. You had some people that at one time were saved, but they were broken off. That would be the Israelites who didn't follow Jesus. At one time they were saved. They were children of Abraham. They were part of God's family. They were part of that tree of salvation. But many of them rejected Jesus. When they rejected Jesus, they no longer were God's people. They were broken off. They weren't part of the tree anymore. We would be the same way. You're a Christian. You're part of the tree. You stop following Jesus. You're broken off. Okay, that kind of idea. So the Israelites were part of the tree. They didn't accept Jesus. They were broken off. But the Gentiles, on the other hand, they weren't part of that tree to begin with. They weren't part of the special chosen people prior to Jesus. God had their own plans for them, but they weren't part of that special group. They were wild. They were a wild olive. They weren't part of that special tree. But what happened was, according to verse 17, they were grafted in. Now, I don't know if you've ever spent time grafting trees before. In fact, if you go up to Fresno to the underground gardens, um, the Mr. Forestier who, who made that, he was big into grafting trees, and they still have some of his original trees there. But what they do is they make slits in branches. They cut branches a certain way. They wedge them in there. They put different stuff on them. They wrap them up. And what can happen is you can have two different types of olives growing on the same tree. You can now buy these at Home Depot. You can buy a fruit cocktail tree where they've grafted in all these different fruits into the same tree. Naturally, they don't grow that way, but because of grafting, you can have a tree that grows nectarines, peaches, and plums all on the same tree. So here you have the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews were broken off. The Gentiles weren't originally part of that tree, and they were now allowed to be grafted in and become part of that tree of salvation. But Paul tells them in verse 18, don't be arrogant. Don't let that go to your head. Just because now you're special and part of the tree, don't get all cocky about it because that's the same problem the Jews had, right? He says, do not become arrogant toward the branches. See, what might happen was is a Gentile might become a Christian and then they're going to become overly critical of the Jewish Christians. Say, well, you guys were rejecting Jesus for a long time. How come you didn't know he was the Messiah? God sent prophets to you and you rejected him. You crucified him. We never did that. He says, don't become arrogant. Remember, it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. The root's been there a long time. They got a lot of history with God. The Jews are not the bad guy. Just because at one time they rejected Jesus and all that kind of stuff, there's a foundation there that God has built upon. And, you know, even in the church, it's kind of like that, too. You know, sometimes uh, a newer convert might become arrogant toward the older converts and vice versa. Look, there's a foundation there and so on, and we're all working together. He says, verse 19, you will say, you being the Gentiles right now, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Kind of true, but don't let it go to your head. He says, quite right, they were broken off for their unbelief. So yes, there were branches broken off, and when they were broken off, it also gave you opportunity to be saved. But, he says, don't be conceited, but fearful. Because if the Jews were broken off because of their unbelief, is it possible for Gentiles to be broken off too? Yeah, it's not once grafted in, always grafted in. You can be grafted and still pruned. 
right? I mean, it could be gone. So just because now you're saved and others were broken off, don't become arrogant. All of us could break off of the tree. Tree represents salvation. Branches that were broken off aren't saved. Branches that are grafted in are saved. Verse 21, for if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. If God's willing to punish the Jews who were originally part of that tree, don't think that you Gentiles are any more special, that God won't punish you if you don't follow God. I know this is kind of an abstract illustration. Paul sometimes uses illustrations. They're a little bit difficult to follow. Even Peter said that about Paul's writings. He said some of them are difficult to understand. Verse 22 of Romans 11, let's keep going. He says, behold then, the kindness and severity of God. You see it both in this tree. The kindness and the fact that you can be saved, the severity and the fact that you could be lost. He says, for those who fell, severity, but you, God's kindness, if you continue in his kindness, otherwise you will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in, notice, again. So if a Jewish person didn't follow Jesus, they were cut off of the tree. That one time they were part of the tree of salvation, Jesus came, now all people need to follow Jesus. If the Jews didn't follow Jesus, they were broken off of that tree. So now you have wild olive branches that needed to be grafted in, the Gentiles to be saved, and now you have broken off branches. What's going to happen to them? They too need to believe in Jesus. And if they believe in Jesus, they have to be grafted back into the tree. Once you break the branch off the tree, it doesn't just magically reappear, right? It has to be grafted. You have to repair it. It's not the same anymore. If the branch was broken off, it joins the tree the same way as the Gentiles do. And think about this. All people, for all time now, Jew, Gentile, white, black, rich, poor, all come to Jesus the same way. Belief, repentance, baptism, you become grafted into that tree of salvation. All the same way. So verse 23, it says, God will be able to graft them in again. Just because they were cut off of the tree doesn't mean they're always lost forever. You can come back and be saved. Verse 24, for if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? The Gentiles might be saying there's no hope for the Jews, and God is saying, yes, there is, through the Apostle Paul. He says they can be grafted in too. There's hope for you Gentiles, and there's also hope for the Jews. Then verse 25, he says, For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation. See, the Gentiles, and previously in this book, the Jews were being very arrogant because they were the ones that had the prophecies. They were the ones that had the law. And Paul has spent a lot of time telling them how you're not special anymore. You're sinners and you need Jesus. Maybe now the Gentiles are getting an inflated ego and Paul is now saying, no, you don't be wise in your own estimation. You don't become arrogant that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. God allowed all this to happen to give Gentiles an opportunity to be saved. Then in verse 26, 
that controversial statement is made. And so, all Israel will be saved. Now you're thinking, well, hold on here. You've told me throughout this section that some Israelites are broken off. They're not branches anymore of the tree. And you've told me that some are broken off and they have to be grafted back in. Well, some aren't grafted back in. So how can all Israel mean all Israel? I think the answer to that is in that word right there at the beginning of that verse, that phrase, and so. If you're reading from a New American Standard or a New King James Version, it says, and so all Israel will be saved. If you're reading from the English Standard Version, though, or the NIV, it translates it a different way. It's the Greek word hutos, and it better translated this way. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. In what way? What is he talking about? In the same way that the Gentiles were saved. How were the Gentiles saved? By being grafted into the tree. All Israel will be saved too if they are grafted into the tree of salvation. In the same, see, the Jews aren't special anymore. They don't get a special path towards salvation. They come to salvation the same way as the Gentiles do, as a broken branch in need of grafting. And that's us too. We are all those broken branches. We are all outside of salvation when we sin, and we all come to salvation the same way we find deliverance, the same way, and we find salvation the same way. You skip ahead to verse 32. It says, For God has shut up all in disobedience so that he may show mercy to all. All people have the opportunity to be saved. So to that phrase, all Israel will be saved, when people ask you that question, say, well, will all Israel will, will be saved? Say, yes, they will. And all America will also be saved. And the whole world will also be saved if they are grafted in just like the Gentiles. If they come to Jesus just like they did as a broken branch in need of salvation. All Israel will be saved if they believe in Jesus. All the Gentiles will be saved if they believe in Jesus. All people in the world will be saved if they follow Jesus. And when they do, picture that tree with places for every person. Every person out there is a branch, and that branch can be grafted into the tree of salvation, connect to a root that goes all the way back to Abraham. We can connect to that root and find salvation. So Romans eleven twenty six 26 isn't a verse about some future messianic kingdom in Zion. There's weird Zionistic group. There's messianic Jews. There's Christian Zionists. There's all sorts of groups that, grow, that pop up all the time and they talk about how you need to have your special Jewish name and all sorts of things. No, it's just this. Jews are saved by being grafted in. Gentiles are saved by being grafted in. We are saved by being grafted in. All people will be saved if they come to salvation through Jesus Christ. This isn't a special, mysterious prophecy about future reign in Zion or anything else like that. It's just a promise of salvation for Jew and for Gentile. Now, if you're here tonight and you don't feel like you're part of that tree of salvation, and you don't feel like you're part of that, that, that root that goes all the way back to Abraham, you can be grafted in tonight. That's what's great about this, is all of us as wild branches can become grafted to the natural tree of salvation. If we come to Jesus 
believing in him, repenting of our sins, confessing him as Lord, being baptized into him, having our sins washed away, we too can be part of that magnificent tree of salvation. If you're here tonight and you're not part of that, why don't you come forward now as together we stand and as we sing.